Hey, today we want to do something a little bit different for the, the message part of today. Um, with it being homecoming and celebrating 155 years, we want to talk about the past, the present, and the future of Glendale Christian Church. And, and so we wanted this to be kind of more of a conversation. I've, I've got some kind of cheat sheet notes to kind of help guide our conversation, but, but uh, we want it to be more of a conversation instead of just kind of a, a sermon type uh, message where we talk about the past, present, and the future. And so we're going to start with Mike because Mike has been here for most, most of, the, of past. the past. I mean, we're <laughs> 155 years, and so Mike, in all actuality, how long have you been at Glendale Christian Church? So 52 years, if my math is right. I'm not a, I wasn't a math major. So Bible college. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so 52 years. So really, almost. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> At we, least we make those jokes, but there is some truth to those. A third of it. A third of it. <laughs> so, uh, but, but one of the things that we wanted to just stress is, that, uh, uh, is God's faithfulness. He's been faithful in the past. He's faithful right now, and he promises to be faithful in the future. I'm reminded of what uh, Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations chapter 3. He wrote, Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I say to myself, The Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. But I love that phrase, great is his faithfulness. God, uh, Mike, that's what we call Mike <laughs> in the office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he gives as good as he gets, so don't let him fool you. Uh, Mike, we were talking earlier this week about the, the formation of Glendale Christian Church, and you told me a story that I'd never heard, heard you, at least you tell before. So, so tell us that story about how really why the need for a church in Glendale came about. Well, let's go back uh, in the beginning. Louis <laughs> B. Walker, who was uh, Patty Paris and Jerry Walker's great-great-grandfather, he, he came from Marion County over here and started the town of Glendale. And it was, he didn't start the town of Glendale. Check your mic, make sure your mic's on. It's on. Okay. That's what? <laughs> <laughs> he started uh, a store, and people started gathering around the store, and, and people settled for the first time away from the water system, and uh, they, do I need to do a hand? Yeah, let's get you a hand, help. That's wireless three, Matt. Now you get an echo. Yeah. Uh, Lewis B. Walker uh, started uh, a store here, and people started settling around the store. And uh, time moved on, and then in 1859, after the railroad had come, the, uh, uh, the store became, uh, Glendale became Walker Station. And in 1859, they named it the town of Glendale. And the people in this settlement would take horse and buggy and go to East or Star Mills to church. And there was a church that you saw, the, the Rock Church was established in 1824. And, and they would worship there two Sundays a month, and the Methodists two Sundays a month. And that the church has a great history. You, you need to check that out and go visit the cemetery. The cemetery for the Stone Church is there. Now they've given me the same amount of time they get, so I've got to talk fast. And uh, you know, I got to do 155 years. They do one minute. But anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, the, the town had a great need, and the people uh, gathered here, and they went there to the church, uh, established church. And then in 1867, uh, 
these people in this town had experienced the Civil War and the remnants of the Civil War and uh, it, it lingered. And Glendale was a divided community. Uh, you have no idea the impact of the Civil War. And the Civil War impacted this community. Uh, there was Camp Nevin that stole all the animals and everything and all the chickens that the farmers had because there were maybe 20,000 soldiers there and they didn't have enough food. And, and then Morgan came right down Munnan Lane and that's recorded. But the impact. And so in 1867, <coughs> In August of 1867, I was sitting in the hardware store. <laughs> and true story. It's a true story. I was sitting in the hardware store, and George Washington Smith came in, and he was looking at stuff, and Dr. William Hughes, a doctor here in Glendale, uh, came in, and he was looking at some stuff. And Dr. Hughes talked to, doctor, talked to uh, George Washington Smith about a debt. And uh, that kind of escalated into the fact that uh, uh, they got into an argument and it went back to the Civil War and the size of the Civil War. And they, they well, uh, George Washington Smith pulled a knife on him and William Hughes uh, grabbed a pitchfork the pitchfork woman. So they broke up and uh, in, that, in that altercation, Dr. Hughes grabbed George Washington Smith by the collar and told him he wouldn't use that kind of language in front of him. And so it was all over. And that was on Wednesday and on Thursday, uh, Dr. Hughes was leading, or coming into Glendale on his horse and he was going to catch the train to go to Louisville to his office that was up on Main Street, or up on uh, uh, Main Street in Louisville, Main and Second. And so he was on his way to Louisville and Dr. Hughes got off his horse and was leading his horse, carrying his bag across the, uh, the railroad track. <clears throat> and uh, George Washington Smith's three sons, uh, in fact, uh, Steve lives in Elijah's home, uh, Steve Wade, uh, they were coming across, they were set, one in front of the whistle stop, one where Hardy's is, and one where the grocery store, or the uh, Glendale Mall, used to be the hardware store, and then where Tony York's is was the depot, and he was going there to catch the train. He got off, and uh, Elijah Smith opened fire, David Smith followed. All of the three boys put six bullets into him, but the newspaper talked more about hitting a horse than killing him. And uh, so William died. Uh, there was a trial. Rumor has it, and, and, and I want to write this story, but there's no end. Rumor has it that uh, I have all the transcripts from the trial. Uh, Noah English was the town marshal. I never knew Glendale had a town marshal. But Noah English was the town marshal. He was a member of Glendale Christian Church. And uh, Noah English grabbed the Smith boys, took them to jail, and uh, they were gonna hang them. So people transferred them, but they never did come to uh, a verdict. They never went to prison. Rumor has it that George Washington lost a lot of his fortune during that time because you, you can figure the rest. Uh, and that was the need of a church, and the people saw this need. 
So in that fall, they came over and started beating a schoolhouse. And the schoolhouse is about where we're sitting. And, uh, and they met there, and Glendale prospered. Man, Glendale prospered to 1924. And then in 1924, uh, in 1910, they started the bank and started the phone company. And then in 1924, uh, I was sitting in the hardware store, and somebody <laughs> came in and said, uh, well, A.L. Cox, who was an elder of the Glendale Christian Church, has absconded with the money, and the bank is closed. Well, all the money, there was nothing called federal insurance, so the bank then, but the, the managers are, in fact, you know, Ken Hagen is the first bank president of Glendale that hasn't gone to prison. <laughs> yet. Yet. Yet, that's right. I, I did know that. And, and so 24, Glendale went down, but a, a key individual came to Glendale that year, J.M.F. Hayes. His name was Judge Fillmore Hayes. J.M.F. Hayes came to Glendale. He was hired from Upton as the superintendent of Glendale Schools. And the Glendale schools until, well, I guess they still are, but on the site where East Harden, old East Harden, there's been a school there since 1911. And Jenkins, John Jenkins, donated the land where this part of the church is for a schoolhouse and a church. And the Methodist and the Christian church met in that schoolhouse. And uh, Stephen Collier was the preacher, and you saw his picture there, but F.G. Allen was the preacher that came here, and he told them, he said, this is a growing town, this is a growing community, unless you all build a church, you're not gonna grow. And so they built a church, and 79 people signed up that we're going to do housekeeping for God. And I love that statement, we're gonna do housekeeping for God. And all these years, and the people who have come after have done housekeeping for God. And, uh, in 1910, now this was in 1879, they built the chapel. In 1910, they added on to the chapel, they built a belfry, and they built a sidewalk down to Main Street. So you see, they were incorporated into the town. And, and the church really did well and grew until the Depression, and certainly problems with the Depression, and uh, world wars, and we've lost individuals, and, buried in our cemetery that we've lost in the wars. And then uh, uh, probably a prime moment was when uh, Carl Munnan, who lived here, preached two Sundays here a month and two in uh, Caneyville. And so we had a preacher living in town. They kept saying that we need a full-time service. And full-time, Adam, means that we have preaching every Sunday and uh, shut me up, is it time? <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to decipher that statement. Uh, full time. Full time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it has no reference to your lack of coming. Uh, good, good lead. Uh, and, and so Frank Buck was president of Louisville Bible, or was a, a business administrator at Louisville Bible College, and he came down and uh, Louisville Bible College and Glendale formed a great union. And uh, then he was here 10 years and they said, we need a preacher here. 
and they inherited some money and they built the parsonage in 1963 that I'm living in. And uh, Frank Buck uh, left and Walter Stever came. And Walter and uh, Mary Lou Stever uh, were preachers and uh, they, they did a great job of living here on the field. And then Walter Gilpin came and then uh, I came. You know, the, Mike is, is really, I call him the historian of Glendale. He's, he, he and uh, uh, Mr. Brawner uh, wrote, a, wrote a book about the history of Glendale, and you can buy it for, what, nineteen ninety nine on Amazon, something like that. We'll, a little sales pitch for you, but um, <laughs> $15 if you get it here, 19 on Amazon, so you want to get it here. But, uh, you know, a lot of the pictures that we saw in that, came from, from you and some of your uh, just uh, collection there. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you all did and, and maybe in a little more condensed version because, you know, I never knew John Knight was a sheriff. I mean, did, oh, did anybody was... recognize John Knight as a sheriff there? <laughs> Elaine, did you recognize John as a sheriff? You, uh, it was Love Cafe. Yep. We did, uh, uh, John Bumgarner and Sharon did a, a play and it was a dinner theater. And it was at East Harton, and uh, uh, you saw people serving. I think uh, there was Tommy Crane serving spaghetti dinner, and uh, but it was Love's Cafe, and uh, it was it was a great program. I think we did it twice, John, or three times. Twice. So that's one of my favorite pictures, though. I I know John, or I've known John before I came here as a basketball referee. And so to see him as a sheriff, I said, well, I hope he's a better sheriff than he was basketball <laughs> referee. But, uh, so nobody's immune today, John, just so you know. It's fair game today. Uh, no, so one, one last thing. Talk to us a little bit about the building of this building because, you know, one of the things that, you know, for Glendale to be a small town, uh, this is one of the most beautiful church buildings. And, look, we all know the church is not com uh, comprised of just four walls. The, the church is the people that, that make up the body. But, but this is one of the most beautiful church buildings really anywhere around it. And we get calls for people to have a wedding here and, and all, you know, people that have never been a part of the church, but they, they've been by here and say, well, that's a beautiful facility. We want to have our wedding here and kind of stuff like that. So talk to us a little bit about, about that. And, and then also there's, I don't think it was with the construction of this building, but uh, there's a Vince Rose oh, yeah. money story somewhere that I want you to tell. When in 18, or 1987, uh, I, I always said if I ever was in a building program I was going to leave that church I didn't want to go through a building program and in, in uh, 87 uh, we decided we had to add on to the old church so we added the exact number of feet that we had uh, I think 1600 square feet with Sunday school rooms and, and, and you all have no idea uh, of how small our kitchen area and fellowship area was in the old church uh, even before that, it was just the basement that uh, Bobby has some couches in and all. But uh, we added that, and then in 2000, we added the building over here. Uh, it's uh, Sunday School and Administration Wing. And this building, we were having three services, and we realized we had to do something. And uh, so Billy Hatfield and his son Brian sit down and they designed this building. Uh, they had the elevations, they had everything, 
And we hired an architect, and he came in and took their drawings and uh, did all the rest to this building. This building was two and a half million dollars. Um, some people said we were getting in over our head, and sometimes I thought we were. And uh, uh, Roy Allen Brauner retired, and Roy Allen was a lot of the secret of this building because we had a trailer set out here, and Roy Allen had retired from Cummins as a uh, uh, projects manager. And he came down, and they said it'd take a year and a half, wasn't it, Billy? A year and a half to build this building. We broke ground in May, and we moved in in February. Wow. And, uh, and the two and a half million was paid off in six years. Wow. God has been good, and God continues to be good. And, and that's the, that, that's the beautiful, beautiful thing. The scarlet ribbon running through everything, God does. And I know that scarlet ribbon is going to come to the future. So forget the past, let's look at the future. Now, I've heard the foundation of this building is literally built on the Word of God. Is that <laughs> The foundation <laughs> of this building is literally built on the Word of God. We, uh, we had a flag-burning service. And I read on the internet <laughs> that you can dispose, and we, used, we had the pew Bibles. Uh, they don't last very long. And we had uh, boxes of pew Bibles. And so I brought a box out and I said, let's burn this. Well, that was just like disposing of a flag. We had a ceremony and we started burning. Then some lady called me Hitler. And... Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I thought, well, the best confrontation is not to have confrontation, so we stopped it. We didn't burn any more Bibles, and I heard about that for a long time. So when we were building this building, these beams are set on a seven-by-seven seven, uh, cube of concrete. But under them is about six to eight feet of gravel and support. So when they were pouring the gravel, I took all those Bibles, I put them in plastic bags, and I put them in the gravel. So this building is really built on the Word. So if you want the Bibles back, <laughs> they're <laughs> under those pillars. Well, Mike, we... You know, that's really a, a condensed history, but, but a, a hopefully an adequate one for our purposes today. But, you know, when you look at some of those pictures, there, were, there was just, it seemed to be a lot of involvement. There were always, you know, people, you know, you talk about on, you know, there was Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday mm -hmm. nights. And, and then basically every other night of the week, too, there was something going on, which really gets us kind of into present day because it's a different day in culture. We live in a different world. There, there's so many more competing entities for, uh, for, 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 for like we have now, right? For church and, and just our time. You know, when I was growing up, church was never an option. Um, it was just what you did. I mean, there was never a conversation with me and my parents about whether or not I was going to go to church that morning. We went. Um, and, and that's just, it didn't matter what else was going on. You always did that. And, and I know that's how a lot of you all were raised as well, but that's not the same culture that we live in anymore. Um, and so I love this verse out of Psalms because Psalm 119.90, uh, the psalmist writes, your faithfulness extends to every generation. 
And I, and I would, if I were adding or making my own notes about it, I would say even generations that aren't as right. faithful as previous generations. Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. And so there's this there's been a shift in our culture from, from where every time the doors of the church were open, people were there to, well, if it fits my schedule. That's kind of the, the, the attitude, the shift that has taken place. And, and there have been a lot of reasons for that, and, and we don't have the time to go into all of those. Social media has certainly played a part into that because people are aware now of more things that are going on around them, and, and they have an opportunity to be involved in more things. Um, but we couldn't talk about present day without talking about that dreaded C word. Um, and you all know what I'm talking about, the COVID years. In fact, on my notes, I just put the COVID years. Um, it's funny, I, I was found my calendar for 2020 a couple of weeks ago as I was sorting through some stuff, and I was just looking at all the things that we had planned for 2020. Um, you remember uh, late in 2019 or maybe early 2020, we had a fellow come in and talk to us about Indispensable Church, um, and we had this great plan in place to launch a, a, a service for people with special needs, and, and and how that was going to be just a core part of who we were and, and who we want to be. And then COVID happened. And all of that went out the window. And all of, you know, that, that, the guy that leads that project, that project has taken several different shapes and sizes in the last two years uh, because of COVID and, and how they've had to rearrange things. And, it, and then I looked at some of the other things, you know, just programs that we had planned that we didn't get to do because COVID. And... It wasn't that those things weren't important. They just, all of a sudden, they weren't the priority. I told Bobby a couple weeks ago that 2020, really, as far as ministry goes, was maybe the easiest year of my ministry that I've ever had. In, in any, because there was, there was a direct need in front of you. I mean, everybody could see the need. And so you just went and you did what you had to do and you survived. And, and you made it through. And, and then you lived to, to put something together for the next week. And, and that's really... Um, how we had to operate for a while because we just didn't know. You know, the old saying is you don't know what you don't know. And we didn't know. But then 21 came, 2021 and 2022 <laughs> came. And I would say if, if 2020 was maybe the easiest year, 21 and 22 have been the toughest years. Because now you have the fallout of all of these things. Recovery, recovery mode. It's the, yeah, we're in recovery mode. And I, you know, I'll tell you that we're, you know, Glendale Christian Church has always been a strong church. Numerically, we're not as strong as we were prior to COVID. Financially, we're not as strong as we were prior to COVID. Does that mean we're worried about those things? No, we're not worried about them. But we, we are aware of them. We, we got to be paying attention to them because if we're not paying attention to them, then we might get to a place where we have to worry about them. But, but it didn't seem like, it didn't seem to matter what you did in, in any organization. I'm not just talking church here, but in any organization, the, the fallout from COVID, everything was wrong. Everything was divisive. Everything was, you know, mask, no mask. Boy, that became such a political debate, right? And, you know, and I, my position has always been this, and, and I'll continue. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. And if you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I don't care. But, you know, love your neighbor, right? <laughs> that's, that's really all I want you to do is love your neighbor. Be a good neighbor. And so, so do or don't. But then we started, what we saw toward the end of 21 was as COVID started to subside and we knew more about it, COVID became an excuse. And, and if I'm stepping on toes here, 
Pickle them up, I guess. Um, but COVID became an excuse for for people to not do lots of things. And it, it wasn't just church, but, you know, um, I can't do this activity because I can't do a family. You know, I don't like my brother-in-law, but I can't go. So I can't go to Thanksgiving because of COVID. Right. Um, you know, that's kind of the attitude we took. And it and that ran across through churches and, and it, it happened in our church. It's happened in churches all across the world where we just became COVID scared. Um, Ronnie Jeffries said to me one time as we were, it was after, it was sometime during that COVID, the COVID years, uh, he walked out and he said, he said, I just want to remind you, I'm sure you know this, but I just want to remind you, uh, the scripture says 365 times, do not fear. And, and that has resonated with me. It stuck with me. Bronnie, I know it's impressive to think that Bronnie said something that stuck with us, right? But, but believe it, the great theologian. The great theologian, <laughs> as I like to say. Uh, but but it, Scripture is 365 times. Scripture is filled with opportunities that say, do not fear. And boy, the church became a fearful bunch. And we're still living in that. Like, so, all right, so I'm, I'm not by any means advocating that we're past all of that. We're still living in that fear. Um, and it's fear for, it's not just fear of COVID, it's fear of pol- politics and fear of social issues. And uh, I'm fear if I, if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to make the wrong person mad. And, and what are we so afraid of? Why are we so afraid? Of? I guess this may be the better question. And so in the present day, that's, this is one of the challenges that we've got to figure out is how do we move forward as a group of people who love the Lord, right? We're all here because we love the Lord. We're all here because we love this community. So how do we move forward as a group of people who love the Lord, love this community, and want to see people come to know Jesus? When we came out of COVID, out of the, our, our online only, uh, 14 weeks, I think it was. Well, it was a long 14 weeks, too, I'm telling you. Um, we knew that there were a couple of things that we were going to have to be very intentional about. Number one was we, because again, you didn't know what you didn't know. We had to be intentional about offering multiple services. And even prior to COVID, we, we had been having talks in leadership about going back to one service because we wanted one unified church instead of two different groups that met in the same building. Uh, we wanted one unified front. And, and that's what we've been trying to develop with this one service. But we knew because of COVID, we were going to have to do multiple services. And so when we came out of COVID, we were doing three in-person services and an online recorded service. So we were doing four services. So if you missed church during that time, that was your own fault because there were plenty of opportunities. All right. There were four different times and it's still on Facebook and on our website. So you can go back and watch it now. All right. But it, we got better. We, we did. We got better <laughs> at it. Uh, I have that picture that was up there from our first online service. We had never had an online service until March the 15th. We'd never had one. And Saturday night, um, I'll remember this for about as long six as o'clock I can remember. Saturday night. About the elders had met um, prior in the week. The governor had come out and asked everybody to not have in-person services. And we said, we're going to have in-person services. And we just feel like we ought to. And then as the week progressed and we started hearing more and more and seeing things and I don't know if this is the right idea. And we kind of went back and forth. And so Saturday night at about 5.30, I had a phone call with the elders. And we talked about that, about what should we do. And at 6 o'clock, I was calling the rest of our staff saying, hey, we're not having in-person services. So we got to figure out how to do an online service. 
And I was so proud of our, our staff that, that first week. I mean, we, we literally didn't know what we were doing. Um, and if you saw the picture, Chelsea was sitting right there with headphones on, uh, trying to figure it out. Bobby was over here. I don't know what you were doing over here in the picture, but, but this was kind of Bobby's hangout. Tim took the picture, so he wasn't in it. But uh, we just, we just were trying to put it together the best we could. And it worked. And what we discovered was that our online presence, our online ability gave us influence, greater <clears throat> influence. We had a, an ability to reach people that we weren't reaching already. But the second side of that was you had people that now could continue to use COVID as an excuse because they can just watch online. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and, and I want to say this, and so I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm just really bashing on people that are, that are online watchers or whatever. Um, but I want to say this. There is nothing like being together with the body of Christ. Amen. Nothing. There is nothing that's better than that. And, and so when you watch, when you participate only online, you miss out. Um, Tim and I would talk about, we, we want our online service to feel like, um, like there's, there's a reason for them to, to be here. And, and the reason is the people. You miss out on being with the body of Christ. Um, you can only, your communication online is, is pretty one way. You, 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 can, you can type in the chat box, but that's not the same as having a conversation. That's not the same as shaking a hand. It's not the same as getting a hug. Um, it's not the same as getting hit by a purse by Miss Sarah Springer. Uh, <laughs> I remember the week leading up to that Sunday when we went back in person. The excitement, like all of us on staff were like... Because I tell people all the time, I say, you don't go into ministry if you don't like being a, around people. Right. Like, you've got to love people uh, or you're going to not do well in ministry. Uh, and that excitement of just, we're going to see people, it's, it's awesome. And we were really, we made videos and we just got super excited about that Sunday back because we wanted you guys here. We still want to see, we still see empty seats and we still see missing faces. And so we still want those people in place because Absolutely. we love seeing our church family. Absolutely. And so, so if you, let me just speak real quickly and directly to those of you that are watching online. If you're watching online and you're a habitual online watcher, number one, thanks for at least engaging with us in that, in that area of worship. But number two, if you are a member of Glendale Christian Church, or you've been involved with Glendale Christian Church for any length of time, just know that when you're online only, you're missed. We miss seeing you. And I would say that to all of you as well that are here this morning. When you're not here, you're missed. When you sit in a different seat, it takes me a minute to figure out, okay, they're, they're in a different seat. They're here today, but they're just in a different spot. But when I get up on a Sunday morning, I'm able to look out and I see people. I was like, okay, I know they were here. And I was able to see them because everybody sits in their same spots. But it's just nice to see you. It's, it's good to see the body of Christ together. So the other thing, and we're, Bobby, we're rapidly running out of time. Mike took 30 minutes yeah. and I'm taking uh, almost as much. So, uh, I didn't take 30 minutes. <laughs> The second thing we knew that we had to be very intentional about was our mission. We, if we were going to be, as a church, successful, in, then we had to be crystal clear about what our mission is. And so I'm going to, we typically do this at the end of church every Sunday, but I'm just, what's our mission? Lead people to love and follow Jesus. You know why you know that? Because you've heard it said a thousand times over the last six months or a year, however long we've been doing this. 
But it's got to be first and foremost in our minds that our mission is to lead people to love and follow Jesus. That, that's, it may not have been the stated mission in the past, but that's always been the mission of Glendale Christian Church, is to lead people to love and follow Jesus. And that's carried into present day. We're building on the success of the past to get, to get us through today. And so that gets us to the future. And Bobby, I just want, uh, I know uh, you've got a couple things you want to talk about. But in <clears throat> Psalm 78, this is what the psalmist writes. And this is why I think talking about the future is so important. He says, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. Bobby, you, you've heard me say, I've said it to you and I've said it to our people uh, lots of times that our, I don't think our children, our, our students, our elementary kids, whatever, that I don't think they're the future of the church. They're a part of the church right now. They're a part of the present church. But they are the future leaders mm-hmm. of the church. So, so talk just a minute about what yours and, and Chelsea's vision for, for our students. You know, sure. and, and I use students in, in a, the broadest term possible. Uh, what, what the vision for them looks like. Well, really, our, the, the vision for our next generation uh, isn't that different from the vision for the church. You know, we all have the same mission, leading people to love and follow Jesus. That's our goal. That comes from the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples. He said, go do this, right? That is the mission of the church, not the building, all of us sitting here. And when you think about what the vision is, the vision is how do we get to the mission, really? Uh, and so... For student ministry, for children's ministry, it's not all that different than for adult ministry. It really falls on discipleship. That's the vision, is, is how do we get to the mission? What's well, discipleship? It starts with, with raising up, teaching, equipping. Uh, and that's our job. I love when uh, years, for, I'm always asking people to volunteer. And I remember a conversation I had with an elderly gentleman. He said, I said, man, you, you would be great because I think the kids would learn a lot from you. And he said, I've put in my time. And my thought process was, well, you're still here, so according to God, you have not put in your time. You still have work to do until he takes you home. And that really applies to all of us. If we're still here, that means God's not done with you. Your job is still ongoing. You have something to give to the next generation. Uh, and so we need as our church, when they say it takes a village, right? We need the church to be that village for that next generation. What do we want to see? How do, how do we want to see them develop into the future leaders of the church? And your statement is, is dead on. I said that when I interviewed with the elders. I said, I don't believe that our students are the future of the church because they're part of the church not right now. We have teenagers and, and young people that are baptized believers who are part of the living church now. And so it's unfair to look at them and say, your time's coming, right? We have to look at them and say, your time is right now. We need to be raising them up to be those future leaders, though. And so um, I, I think our vision mirrors the church vision as a whole and that's it's to raise up equip and teach the the next generation to be those leaders uh and that comes from one of my favorite passages of scripture is in ephesians 4 and i tell people this all the time in ephesians 4 verses 11 through 16 it really kind of lays out the definition of discipleship and so i wanted to read through that and just talk on that briefly uh so starting with verse 11 it says now these are the gifts christ gave to the church the apostles the prophets the evangelists and the pastors and teachers Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So the teachers, the the, the pastors, the elders, their job is to teach and equip and prepare 
everybody else in the church to do those jobs, to build up the church. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, I don't think any of us have got to that point yet. Mike's close, but I don't think any of us have got to that point. So we all still have some work to do. So we should all be discipling people, but we should also all be being discipled. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's exactly what we want to see happen with Glendale Christian Church and in this community. You know, we t- we've, we've been talking a lot lately about what the future of Glendale looks right. like. With, with There's new growth, there's changes coming. Like it, love it, indifferent, doesn't matter. God put us here to reach the lost. God put us here to be the church that makes a difference in this community, uh, that is reaching out, that is, that is serving, that is loving, uh, and that is leading people to love and follow Jesus. And we know that there is an influx of people coming to this community, and God is saying, I put you here to minister to them. And so this next generation, we have to be building up as a church to be ready for that, those people that are coming, because they need to know Jesus just like we do. Absolutely. So... Um, real quickly, what, what do you think is the biggest obstacle facing students today um, in, in student ministry? We, we talked just about how it's a different culture um, and that shift in culture. So what do you see as the biggest obstacle uh, for students and, and children? Uh, so what I tell people in ministry circles, my biggest obstacle is, and this isn't pointing a finger at any specific people, so, so parents, please don't feel offended if, if you feel like you fall into this, but when parents don't make church a priority for their kids, the kids will not make church a priority. And I think that plays a huge role in what we see moving forward as a church. We have to say this is number one. When, when ball practices or other things come before church, then you're, we're teaching our kids, we're teaching those future leaders that this doesn't have to be priority number one. And it's hard for me to overcome those teachings at home. You know, I only get so much time and so much influence. And if they're not coming anyway, then that comes down to zero. Uh, and so for me, the biggest obstacle is making sure those kids are here and the parents are showing them this is important enough that we're going to be there and you're going to be there. And nothing else comes before God. So, along those same lines, then what can the church do, this group here, do to encourage young people to stay faithful to the Lord? Uh, By setting that example. Uh, That is the number one part of discipleship, is live by example. Let those younger people see what you do, see what's important to you, see what comes first. When you set that example... They will see that. Even when, your kids, when you think your kids are not listening or not paying attention, I guarantee you they are. They're little sponges. Uh, and they learn from everything you do, even the good and the bad. And so as a church, and that, not just parents, but even our older members. Right. You know, I love watching some of our older folks and seeing that they'll show up and volunteer. They'll show up and they'll come out here and weed eat and do things. Uh, when there's perfectly capable younger people that can do it, 
but they come out and do it. And I love when I get to do service projects and I get to have teenagers alongside some of our elderly because they get to see, man, this person gets it, you know, and they're doing that work. And so every, everything you do is an example to that next generation. So I want to kind of wrap things up here for us as, as lunch. I hear bellies rumbling, so uh, I know lunch is, lunch is calling. It was yours, right? Uh, <laughs> it's right by his microphone. <laughs> but you, you made a statement there about, uh, about families. And even our older people, you know, maybe your kids are grown, they're out of the house, whatever, but you got grandkids. And, and so you're still setting an example for them. And, and that's one of the things that I've, even before I got to Glendale, that I knew about Glendale was that Glendale Christian Church has always had a strong familial Feel to it. There's always been a strong fa- family uh, environment here. Um, and that's because as a church, we are family. This, this, we are the family. We're the family of God. We sang about that earlier. But, but you know, when, when there's crisis, when people are in crisis, who do you call? You, you call your family. You, and, and a lot of times, you know, you don't live close in close proximity to your family. So you call your church family. And they're the ones who come and take care of things for you and, and help you get through things. And so, so we want to continue to build on that. You know, we got to build on yesterday's successes. Um, it's always fun to look back and, and through, through Mike's archives and, and have him tell us stories about, you know, when, when he got off the ark and, and all of those kind of things. Those are always, always fun to, to listen to. But we don't live in the past. We live in the present. we got to build upon the past as we, as we live in the present because the important thing to remember is that eventually the present will become the past as well. Pretty quick. Pretty quick, right? <laughs> Every so, day. So we're, move, we're moving into the future. So you can't live in the present. You, you live in the present, not the past. And your future success builds on the success that you have in the present. And so here's what we want as a church. As I think the leadership would, if we could just say this, would be that we want to continue to be a church that has that strong family feel. We want this to be a church where, where you would love for your family to be every week. Where you have loved being for so many years every week. We want this to be a place where your grandkids want to come. Where you would want your grandkids to come. And sometimes that means that we have to do things a little differently. Um, I always say change for the sake of change is not good change. But change for the sake of purpose is needed. And so we want this to be a place where, where your, your grandkids, and remember, your grandkids live in a different time and generation than you did. They're, you know, so, so we want this to be that kind of place for them. We want this to be a place where, where everybody, no matter what their race is, what their gender is, what their socioeconomic status is, this is a place for everybody. A place where, you know, if... I've said this before, but I'll echo it again. That if you are comfortable with everybody that's sitting in this room with you, then we haven't opened the doors of the church wide enough yet. Um, we want this to be a place where everybody can be at home. You know, there's a church down the road that says a home for everybody, but you don't have to go down to the church down the road to be at home. You can be at home right here. And we want this to be home for you. We're going to remember the past, we're going to live in the present. And we're going to prepare for the future. That's what we're going to do as, as part of the Glendale Christian Church. All the while, leading people to love and follow Jesus. Because if we don't lead them, who's going to? Right? 
Mike, would you close us with a word of prayer and then our, our worship team's going to come and they're going to lead us in one last song. Before we do that, I'd just like to say those people in 1867 had courage to come start a church. Those people in 1879 had courage. And God was there, and those in 1879 had so much courage that they built a church, and two years later, they bought the land. And if you'll read the deed, which is up in the old building on the wall, it says where the Glendale Christian Church now stands. Faith. God's hand has been here, is here, and will be here. Amen. And we can't forget that. Let's pray.